When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a Wednesday Buckeye Talk. It's Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, and Stephen Means. And the Ohio State quarterbacks and linebackers who we interviewed on Wednesday morning CJ Stroud, Kyle McCord, Devin Brown. Linebackers like Reed Carrico, Steel Chambers, Tommy Eichenberg. Not every linebacker in the world, but enough of a handful of guys to get a little bit of a vibe of what's going on in there. We're going to start with CJ. He's the starting quarterback. Um, I always like talking to CJ now. I just I, I like letting him talk about – not letting him. I like li- being there when he talks about football. And I'm just really interested – Guys, you know how it is. Half half of our job, probably more than half, actually, is sort of like featurey. What's your life like? Hey, are you famous now? Kind of stuff. And then the other chunk of it is, let's talk about football. Let's talk about what you do on the field, how you help Ohio State win games, how you're good at what you do, what you learned. Sometimes with certain players, I just really want to talk about the football stuff. There's time for the other stuff because CJ has an interesting story. But Stephen, you and I spent basically the whole time at, at CJ's session, Nathan, you spend a lot of time with Kyle McCord and moves from around with some other people. I just like talking football with CJ. And I thought we got another dose of that today. I don't know that we learned a ton new Steven, but the progression of CJ Stroud as a guy furthering his knowledge of the game, I think bodes well for Ohio state football in 2022. Yeah, it's 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 always good to give his perspective on things. He's one of those quarterbacks where you can just kind of go, hey, can you tell me what happened there? And then he gives you the most in-depth answer in the world. But then also to the point of how we like to ask day questions sometimes, like, hey, I have this theory. Am I right? You can do that with CJ a little bit. And he'll also explain to you not only are you right or wrong, but why you're right or wrong about things. And that's why it's always fun to talk to him. I will say, so you have some conversations with him about Jackson Smith and Jigba and some comparisons to Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup that we have brought up here on this podcast. And it's like, I like it when we take the podcast to the people and you took it to CJ Stroud and we'll get to that conversation very shortly. But Nathan, one of the other things that came up that CJ Stroud was talking about was the throw. It's like the throw. If you said CJ Stroud and the throw, 
I think most people listening would be like, yeah, I know what throw you're talking about. You don't have to say anything else. But it's the over-the-shoulder touchdown to Jackson Smith and Jigba in the Rose Bowl against Utah. And Nathan, he was saying, we worked on that throw from the minute I got on campus, but I don't think we threw it in a game at all in 2021 until that play. And then he was sort of, and I was like, what? I said, you never, you had a throw that you worked on the minute you got on campus and you'd never threw it for two years. And then he was like, yeah, well, on that play, the corner had man coverage on Jackson. And they had, I think, you know, they had coverage on the other side. And I looked at Jackson. Then I looked at the other side of the field and I was like, well, I don't think they're going to actually do this. They wouldn't do that, would they? And leave Jackson one-on-one. That wouldn't make any sense. And then I looked back at Jackson and I did have the one-on-one coverage. And I was like, this is it. And he threw, and just that idea, Nathan, that's what I like about this stuff. That that Jackson Smith and Jigba and CJ Stroud, oh, we did that in practice a gazillion times. And then it's like, how did they make that miracle play in the Rose Bowl? It's like, it's not a miracle. You don't prep a miracle. It's just work. And I, I love it. I love that kind of stuff. And I love when CJ Stroud tells those tales. Do I get too excited? Do I get too excited? I just envision there they are, you know, they're coming in on seven and sevens and they're doing throws by themselves. And then they work it out. And when they're running twos versus the one defense, when they're young guys, Oh, Oh, I love it. I love those stories. Well, yeah, I wouldn't call it a miracle. I mean, a miracle is like Doug Flutie. A miracle is a Hail Mary or the the Immaculate Reception or something like that. Like, this would just look like, you know, something that was planned. Maybe it was something like you're saying. Like, it wasn't that they had shown us in a game yet or not. But I think you always – don't you want to have something kind of held back in reserve for, like, the, the monster play that you haven't shown anybody yet when you really need it? Like, I don't know. I think it was it was a – a huge play, but also just an indicator of maybe where the, the connectivity is between those two guys, because they are going to be connected here more. At, when was the last time like a quarterback and a receiver are going to be disconnected when they leave Ohio state as Stroud and him? Cause they're going to be leaving at the same time. And all of the, all of their success really will have come together. Like the heights of their success will have come together and it's it's interesting to have sort of watched that coalesce here. And next year at this time, we're going to be talking about them in a very different circumstance, obviously, with the NFL draft. But aren't, aren't they going to be like a pair, unlike like melded together, unlike Ohio State's had in a while? That's fair yeah. because every go ahead, Stephen. All yeah. but one of Jackson's highlights as an Ohio State player have been with CJ. And it's just that toe tap that randomly happened at the end of the Nebraska game that we kind of throw out. But yeah, to come in together have kind of similar rises as recruits because both of those guys were kind of late bloomers who, you know, rose up the rankings late, have that connection, spend all that time on scout team where he said, yeah, but I asked him like straight up, have y'all been doing this on scout team in 2020? He's like, yeah, basically that this is all the stuff they were doing because you're a little bit more free on scout team. Cause you're usually running somebody else's. Well, well he said, but like he said, right. Like, he said, actually, it was a lot of we were the twos, the offensive yeah. twos running against the ones. Scout mm-hmm. teams, sometimes you've got to run the opposing team's offense. And a lot of times yeah. that's sort of down the list. This was offensive twos versus defensive mm-hmm. ones. But the and he was sort of saying, like, we actually had a little bit of freedom on that. of like, hey, give these guys a challenge. And then CJ and Jackson were like, OK, let's go. Yeah. So then they just took that. And then they put it on the field in 2021. And they're going to do it again in 2022. But yes, to be this, I don't maybe. 
Troy Smith and Ted Ginn, but even then, Ted Ginn popped way before Troy Smith did. No, that's true. I mean, you can't be any more linked than Troy Smith and Ted Ginn Jr. were, but Ted, uh, Troy was a year older, and Ted still played much faster. It took Troy a lot of time. But, I mean, if we went through and said the most connected quarterbacks and receivers in Ohio State history, that would be a nice little project for us at some point. Um, JSN and CJS are going to wind up on that list together. Again, that throw, he just, he went through sort of talking about that whole throw in the Rose bowl. Um, he said, I don't even know if Justin threw it. He might have, I'm not sure, but that was the perfect scenario. Cover one, move the safety type of thing. And it's just like, he'd been waiting for it. And then he said, even like during the, the course of the play, he sort of forgot about it. And then like, he went back to Jackson's like, Oh no, it's this. Okay, here we go. And it's funny. I like it. It's almost like slow motion. It's like the matrix. When CJ Stroud is explaining the 4,000 things that happened on that play. And then it's like, Oh, you mean all the things that happened in 1.8 seconds mm-hmm. and he's explaining it. And it's like, it sounds like it took 10 minutes. It's like, no. And so he was, he was again, going through all this stuff. Listen, it's what quarterbacks do, but I could just listen to it all day. He's talking about all the pre-snap stuff and then all the post-snap stuff. And I did think Nathan, one of the things we keep looking for little clues and stuff. He was talking about how pre-snap, he said, I look at the roof first. He's talking to safeties. And then he basically said, I don't necessarily look at the linebackers much, but then I go to the front. Is it a three-man, four-man, an odd front? What are they doing? Bear, five, whatever. I'm not going to start throwing names out there. Word, I'll sound stupid. But one of the things he said was, you sort of be able, you used to be able to get a read pre-snap, what the safeties are doing. And now so many teams are adjusting the safeties right at the snap that you try to get a pre-snap read. And then as soon as the snap comes, your pre-snap read may not do anything for you. So you've got to understand that that's the case. And he was talking about that, Nathan, just in terms of his own existence. I think he was saying Utah did that to him a bit at times. But then it was like, a, oh, so you mean how like Ohio State used to be pretty static with their safeties and now they're going to move their safeties at the snap and a safety-driven defense? It was one of those things as I enjoyed and allowed myself to uh, bathe in CJ Stroud's knowledge. It was like, Oh, if I was going against CJ Stroud, who's maybe the smartest quarterback in college football, you better have a Jim Knowles defense. You better not be given static looks. You better be sliding guys around and giving him a different look post snap than you're giving him pre-snap or he will kill you. And it was like, Oh, well, I guess it's a good thing. Ohio state has that now. Well, I think the better way to say it is, I don't know if you need a Jim Knowles defense, but you can't have an Ohio State 2021 defense, or at least the one that they're putting out there early. That's uh, Sorry, that's probably the better way to say that. And I'm intrigued now by what is going to happen in practices between now and the start of the season when they get to go live, when they get to go 11 on 11, and you're not really in a scout team where you have to maybe show them a specific thing that the other team is going to do, like what can Jim Knowles do to just have some fun with CJ Stroud and vice versa? Like what can he do on a, on just a random day to be like, Oh, I bet you didn't know this was coming. And I bet you know, didn't know this guy could line up here, but then actually be here when it was time for you to actually throw the ball. Like, I think there's going to be some fun stuff that those guys can do together. You could tell that last week or whenever it was that we talked to Jim Knowles last and he was going into some of his impressions of CJ Stroud and comparing him to Eli Manning and stuff and saying that I, I think they both like it. That, and we know C.J. Stroud likes the challenge and likes to go out and say, my brain beat 
and my arm beat your brain and your legs or whatever. But I think Jim Knowles also sees how special he is and wants the challenge of making their guys have to figure it out. Before we get too far removed from it, Stephen, let's let's go back to the thing that you were having a conversation with CJ about after practice. I even took some photos of Stephen and CJ hanging out. I sent them to Stephen. Maybe they'll appear in his Twitter avatar down the line. As 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 we said, Stephen means only hangs out with first rounders. Stephen means with the not, winners. He's not he's not going to chat with like the third string guard. It's like, oh, no. congratulations on you. Uh, maybe making your way to the two deep. Steven's like, uh, where's my first rounder? The, the, the thing that we talked about, the Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, could Jackson Smith and Jigba and CJ be like that? You seized on the idea that he was at the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. CJ was. And then you went in a little more depth with him. Take us through whether or not CJ Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigma is a reasonable comparison to Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup and the connection they have on the field. Yeah, so the first thing I did was I went up to him and asked, you understand why I was asking you about Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, right? It's not just because you're from L.A. And is that crazy? And he said no, and he went into – and basically he agreed with it. I'm not crazy to think that that's where Jackson and C.J. could live. And he explained what was going on because he knows some of the Rams players, which isn't surprising. He's an elite quarterback who's going to be an NFL player. Him knowing NFL players isn't crazy. And he basically simplified what – Cooper Cup was doing, and he just said it's just option routes a lot of the times, you know, and that's it, which is not new. Ohio State runs option routes with their best players, especially in the slot. That's not new stuff, but it's an option route for both Cooper Cup and for Matthew Stafford in the sense that obviously you run a certain amount of yards and then you can go straight, you can run a fade, you can run a post, you can go right, left, whatever, whatever. But also on Stafford's part, depending on what the leverage is whether it's zone, whether it's too high, whether it's cover three, you know, all that he ran through that whole list again is the type of throw he's going to throw to Jackson Smith, the Jag, but whether he's going to lead him or just like dot him right there in the hole. And we saw some of that in the, in the Rose bowl where, where they brought Jackson Smith, Smith the Jigba out of the backfield, CJ threw the ball before Jackson was even there. We saw that with Matthew Stafford and Cooper cup late in the game where he's throwing the ball before and Cooper cup still like four or five yards away from where the target actually was. And so that's what we went to depth about the idea of it's CJ's job to figure out what type of throw he's going to throw at the Jackson. And it's Jackson's job to figure out what type of route he was going to run. And a lot of times they might not always be on the same page, but because they built up enough chemistry, it ends up working out anyway. And he also broke down who might be who from the other guys. He said guys like Julian Fleming and uh, Jaden Ballard, they're the OBJ just because they're the speedsters, the take the top off the defense guys, while Van Jefferson is more of the Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Cameron Babb because they're elite route runners. I did like when I think it was one of your questions. Again, it was talking about, I think you were asking, when are you going to take a shot? When are you going to, all, all this pre step, post step? Again, we're just trying to get in CJ's brain. And this is a transcription, partly paraphrased. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a coverage thing. Like I explained with the post and pre-snap. And sometimes I am like effing, I'm just going to go with Julian Fleming and let him make a play because he's Julian Fleming. But he didn't say effing. And it was just like he was just talking ball. Yeah. And that was a signal to me that like, that like we were doing a good job, right? That he got comfortable with your line mm-hmm. of questions, Stephen. that he was just talking ball. And he just said, I'm just going to F and go with Julian Fleming. And then he was like, oh, wait, 
I'm in a news conference. I can't mm-hmm. say that. And then he like apologized. And it's like, man, you're just talking ball. We love it. It's all good. But he also realizes like, I'm CJ Stroud. I'm one of the Heisman favorites. I'm the face of the franchise for a team that's trying to win a national championship. I want some NIL deals. I'm going to be Can't a be first round pick. <laughs> and he's like, but it, did, it was the most innocuous. I don't want to say naive, but it was the most well-intentioned F word that I have heard in a long time, Stephen, because he was just talking ball. And when you let CJ Stroud talk ball, he is all good. He is so happy and comfortable and relaxed. And for two seconds, he got a little too comfortable. Yeah, he was it was as if we were just having a normal conversation. But that's how you know it's a good conversation with interviews, is if it just people start forgetting that they're being recorded. And he didn't, yeah, but he does. He'll, he's going to do that a couple more times. He had one of those during the season. I think when I asked him about the the, the weird throw he had to, uh, uh, to Chris Olave against Penn, St- Penn State, he was just like, do I want that back? Hell yeah. But oh, well, we can't move on from that. You know, you got to keep going. So he, he'll do that. I, I love that. about. I told him afterward, I was like, yeah, you're getting real comfortable up there. He's like, yeah, a little too comfortable. But no, too hey, man, That's all good. can't take it back now. I think it would be a great conversation with Ryan Day to – you want those guys to retain that joy of that sort of like parking lot, sandlot, whatever you call it, joy of the game. But this game, as we're talking about at the level they want to play it at and the level they want to like excel at is so technical. You have to put all that steady into it. You have to be able to do all those reads and like, how do you kind of maintain that balance? Uh, but it, I think it helps that just Stroud loves the studying, cramming technical side of it, not cramming up your cram hole, like cramming for a a, a, a test, which is yeah. kind of what I think he thinks he does each week. Like he likes that side of things as much as he likes the freelancing Sandlot stuff. And it's the it's the merger of those two things that I think could be really fun for Ohio State fans this fall. So after he got that way, and we just we're just talking, we were just all talking. And again, I'm just going to nobody asks CJ Stroud or about CJ Stroud. Nobody asks more film questions to CJ Stroud than us. If there is this developing idea about how smart CJ Stroud is and how much he studies the game and how smart he is and how much he loves to talk ball and watch film, it's because that's what we ask about. Like, that's what we're asking about. Tim May likes to ask about it, too, because Tim May will talk X's and O's with you all Mm -hmm. day and, and eight days a week. But it's us and Tim May, and we want to talk ball with him. And it's not because we don't appreciate his story, but it's because we really appreciate how smart he is, and we just want to talk ball. So when he's getting in this mode, and I just said, you just love this, don't you? And he's like, yeah, I do. And then he starts talking about Britton Covey who is a 5'8", 170-pound slot receiver from Utah, whose first year in college football was 2015. He played in the Rose Bowl against Ohio State. He was seven years removed from high school in that game because he played as a true freshman. Then he went on a mission for two years. Then he came back and had like a full college career after that. Britton Covey is a guy who has to get by with his brain. Because 5'8", 170-pound slot receivers, unless you run a 4'2", if you don't have a brain, you're not going to play major college football. And he's a really good player for Utah. So C.J. Stroud, who is the co-Heisman favorite, 
he starts talking about how after the Utah game, he was watching some of the stuff that Britton Covey said. And he was comparing Britton Covey and Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd is their linebacker slash edge guy at Utah who's going to be a top 20 pick in the NFL draft. And the guy that C.J. Stroud identifies with from Utah is 5'8", 170-pound Britton Covey. He said he looks like an accountant. And he said, like, no offense, that's my guy. I can say that. But that's who he thinks he is. That's who C.J. Stroud sees. That's who he identifies with. And then we do like to sort of talk about how he's not the most athletic guy in the world. He talked about it today. I'm going to paraphrase some of the stuff. Again, it's a transcription. It's not the greatest transcription in the world, but I'll give you some of it. Um, he was explaining the game of football. I really took this to heart because I'm not the most athletic guy to most. I, of course, I have talent because I have God-given talent, but it's not about that, you know. You could go out there and you look at Britton Covey. He said Covey and Devin Lloyd are two opposites. But um, that's the, this is, this is uh, CJ Stroud breaking it down. That's the thing I like about football is you can actually put in the work and then go see it. You go put it on the field. So that's something I love. I love talking about this stuff. I love the verbiage. I love challenging myself. Steven, again, it's like, now I feel bad. It's like, have we talked this into DJ Stroud so much that he now thinks his athletic ceiling is a 5'8 slot receiver? It's like, no, CJ, you're better than that. But he loves it. And he is certainly pretty darn athletic. And then I want to make a point about Ryan Day. But if he didn't have his brain, he wouldn't be a Heisman candidate. He wouldn't be a, a, a number one, a first round draft pick. He wouldn't be the leader of a team that went into a national championship. But when he starts talking, Britton Covey, Steven, Britton Covey, I just, I'm like, man, I just, I could hear this guy do this all day because he knows who he is and he loves who he is. And he loves the challenge of getting in a film room and trying to figure out a way to beat you with his brain. He's maximizing what his skill set and his talents are. But really a, a simpler way to say what he said is the cool thing about football is somebody Dewan Jones' size and somebody Travion Henderson's size can both be considered elite at it. And they're, you know what I'm saying? Like you can stand those two people next to each other and go, they're both really good at football. And it's really the only sport where that's the case. But I, and I do, but I also do think like he's saying like, I'm not Cam Newton. I'm not yeah. Josh Allen. I'm not Patrick Mahomes. I'm not Steve Young. I'm not Michael Vick. I'm not these guys who have these rare physical gifts. I'm not Justin Fields. And that, that's what's a separator for them. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty athletic. But what I like is I can take my amount of athleticism, which is pretty good, but it's not Heisman level good. And I can take it in the film room and I can beat you that way. And he really is diving into that. As we said, as we talked a lot about last year, he knows he has a knack for this, which is why it's not night and day. He's not buying in as much to the, oh, year two is going to be so much better than year one because he knows I was pretty good by the end of year one. Nathan, the thing that I've really uh, I've been thinking about a lot is Ryan Day. Clearly, when we were talking to Ryan Day this week and Ryan Day was like, that's all I had. I All I had was my eyes and my brain. I had no athleticism. But he played quarterback. He was like the best high school quarterback in the state of New Hampshire in high school, and he played quarterback at UNH. And I do think it, it's it, – CJ Stroud is a great vessel for him 
because as much CJ Stroud's a better athlete than Ryan Day was, but CJ Stroud has the mental acuity that he and Ryan Day can communicate on the same level right now. And then Ryan Day, all the things that Ryan Day maybe wanted to do as a player and couldn't, now CJ Stroud can execute that vision. And CJ Stroud today, I asked CJ about the idea of, hey, Ryan was saying like all, all he had was his brain. And CJ was like, I appreciate having a guy who played the position who now has that faith in me. And I just really like the idea of, listen, people are different and this is nothing against anybody. I liked the push and pull of Ryan Day and Justin Fields, which we talked about a lot on here for two years. Justin Fields wants to hold the ball and make a big play. Ryan Day wants Justin Fields to take what's there and get rid of the ball and not take sacks and not try to do too much. And I thought that they had a slight conflict about that. That helped bring out the best in Justin. But I don't think Ryan Day and Justin Fields, they weren't exactly the same kind of quarterback. I don't know that there's a ton of push and pull with CJ Stroud and Ryan day. Cause I just think they're on the same page. Cause I think they're like the, they, they kind of are like the same quarterback. CJ is just 10 steps beyond what Ryan day ever was as a player. But I, I think that is coming out and it's going to, we're going to see it even more in 2022. Yeah. I mean, we already saw the signs of that last year. I thought we saw them early on that even when Stroud wasn't sharp yet, you saw what he truly was the way he was going to get rid of a ball the way that he was you know and and kind of reload for that second shot as opposed to what you're talking about with what field used to do or certainly because fields always had that outlet to, to be able to run with it and stroud doesn't although did you hear when you were talking to luke whipler the other day he was bringing up hey you know people don't talk that much about cj stroud running the ball but he's kind of been doing some things so that's a whole nother uh rabbit hole we get to go down between now and the start of the year but no it's i think you're right and i think that it is interesting to contrast like if you didn't have Ryan day and his background here and you had a quarterback's coach who wasn't a quarterback, how different this would all probably be playing out. I just think one to the whole CJ Stroud doing some athletic things. Let me tell you, he's escaping the pocket at buying time. And he brought that up today when we talked to him. The reason why he's good at that aspect is because his offensive line in high school sucked, even though he wanted to say it in a nice way. It's just most of the time, if you're an elite quarterback who doesn't go to like an IMG, your offensive line sucks. So you have to run around a lot. But I think we spent a lot of time, at least I did, trying to figure out what Ryan Day's quarterback looks like. What does he want? And it's CJ Stroud. He doesn't really this what Justin Fields wants. I mean, yeah, you're going to go get that guy if he's a five star, but that's not the things that Justin Fields was good at as a raw talent. I don't think we're at the top of the list for Ryan Day. What's at the top of the list for Ryan Day is 6'3, 215, really smart and can make all the throws. The every other element to it is extra bonus. Which is why it's fascinating to me that they got together. By C.J. Stroud being a late bloomer in an area of the country where the hometown school sucked and he went to Elite 11 on a late invite and tore it up and all the Ohio State commits there called Ryan Day and said, you got to get on this guy. And he called C.J. Stroud and C.J. Stroud drops to his knees because he got an Ohio State offer. This is not a master plan. If this is what Jack Miller was doing, it'd be like, oh, Ryan Day identified Jack Miller. If this is what CJ, what Kyle McCord was doing, and maybe it'll be what Kyle McCord does. But actually at the moment, we just, we, 
I think we have an impression that Kyle McCord is 20% more gunslinger than CJ Stroud, yeah. right? We'll see how that plays out, but that's a guy that, that Ryan Day went and sought out. That CJ Stroud seems like he has turned out to be exactly the quarterback that Ryan Day wants. And I don't want to say they got him by accident, but it wasn't as much of a, hey, we saw this guy two years ago kind of thing as it often is in quarterback recruiting. It is really quite a thing. I was, quite a jo- thing. I was joking with somebody in the program um, and they kind of agreed with it that maybe they shouldn't go find their quarterback until August before signing day, because I mean, they've, they might be two for two, depending on what Devin Brown turns out being. Now, when USC sucks, that might work. If Lincoln yeah. Riley was at USC three years ago, yeah. both CJ Stroud and Devin Brown would probably be USC Trojans. So mm-hmm. I it, it is it is funny to joke about. And I do think the thing that probably will happen if you are a late cycle quarterback who is coming off an injury or just was a late riser and you are on the board late, Ohio State's going to be able to get in there because of what Ohio State is, because of what Ryan Day is, because of their offense, because of the skill they have at receiver, because of the recruiting acumen of Ryan Day and Brian Hartline and Corey Dennis and Mark Pantone, Ohio State will always have a shot at the late cycle quarterback. But if that guy doesn't get to late in the cycle, right, because Lincoln Riley liked that guy down, or, um, you know, if the guy's in the South and Kirby Smart or – or if Billy Napier starts locking guys mm-hmm. down, everybody in the South who's a good quarterback is just going to go to Florida, right? That that's that's the danger zone. But certainly, it worked out with CJ Stroud, and it seems like it seems like it maybe will work out with Devin Brown. Um, and this was a, one last thing that just caught my ear when CJ was talking about it. When I was we were asking about you know your relationship with Ryan Day, um, he said Ryan Day talks all the time about this. When you draw it up on a piece of paper, you draw a line, you draw a slant, but it's never like that ever. So you have to go out there and play football and use your instincts. Don't go out there and second guess yourself. So, and we know Ryan Day's a doodler. He loves to doodle plays, but the idea that Ryan Day and CJ Stroud together can look and game plan and say, this is what we wanted to do. But then when CJ Stroud, Nathan, when CJ Stroud goes to execute it, he has to feel freedom. He has to feel confidence in himself, in his receivers, in his offensive line, in the idea that Ryan day is not going to bench him. If he makes a bad play, it's, it's easy to watch film and draw stuff up. But I also think that's something that'll be next level for CJ Stroud that he showed a lot in the second half of last year. See what's happening. Eyes, eyes, see what's happening and then make the play. But it just, it was, it reinforced to me that Ryan Day and CJ Stroud just are exactly on the same page here. Steven and I were talking about this after uh, pro day. I think it was where you can just sort of sense a little bit of a different vibe with CJ Stroud right now. And some of it, I think is just an ease of everything. Like he isn't in a, he isn't competing for a job. It's his job. He is not learning an offense. He knows it. It's it's like back of his hand kind of situation now. He has the confidence of an entire team. Not that maybe he even was worried about that before that much. It sounds like people believed in him the whole time. But the connection he has with, with Smith and Jigman, the connection he has with Day, like all these things are kind of adding up to just, 
you you hear it in his voice. You see it in his face when he talks to us. And by the end of last season, things had started to pile up, probably because it's just the longest football year of his life to have to have gone from competing for a job to going through what he did during the season to then the Heisman stuff and then the Rose Bowl. Like he was, I think, kind of tired of a lot of things at that point. But I think you're going to see a much more relaxed yet poised quarterback go into 2022. But also, he's not on social media reading a bunch of people calling for his job. You know, like when we were out there for Student Appreciation Day, he's, I don't know, every outlet has talked about, he stayed out there and signed all 600 autographs. I mean, what do you want him to do? The point is, there weren't 600 people lined up asking for his autograph in September after that Oregon game. All those 600 people plus more were calling for his job. So it's a little easier to be comfortable with yourself when you're playing well and everybody's acknowledging it. Yeah, that was of all the things that you would have pointed to last year with CJ. It was that, you know, while he was throwing six touchdowns in the first half against Michigan State, and those kind of things, there would still be times when it felt like he was reading social media a little bit too much and remembering mm-hmm. the things from early in the year when people were saying those things it's like, well, you didn't play that well early in the year and we, you were young, but you also you didn't necessarily play that well. And then the way he played in the second half of the year, he hadn't let that go. And like, that's gone. It's gone. Like he's, it's all, it's all good. He's an, excuse me. He's in a really good zone, I think, which I think is really, is really quite important for him. We'll take a quick break, come up, finish some CJ's drug tidbits, move on to some other guys next on Buckeye Talk. Back with Doug, Nathan, and Steven. We were texting out a lot of this stuff on Wednesday morning. You're getting this Wednesday afternoon, but we were all, a lot of the stuff we're saying we were given to the texters right away. 614-350-3315. couple tidbits. I just want to note, um, Stephen, he was talking about how important Paris, John, uh, Paris Johnson was in his recruitment of Paris sort of like being on him. And then he just said like, he and Paris have a good relationship and Paris is always there. And he said, like, if I have a question about algebra, Paris will come up and, you know, answer questions. Just like, oh, I like the idea of like Paris Johnson, who was very circumspect in his own recruitment and making sure with Ryan Day that everything was lined up and everything that Paris Johnson is sort of like taking care of everybody. <laughs> that like, I like that image of Paris Johnson, sports writer, left tackle, team first guy, you know, very uh, charity oriented. And also the guy that if you have a question about A plus B equals C, Paris Johnson's like, yeah, I'll come up to your dorm room and we, we can talk that over. Paris Johnson protecting CJ Stroud's backside on and off the field. Yeah, I, I, I just loved. And he was talking about how back when they weren't playing, Dewan Jones and Paris Johnson and Luke Whippler and CJ Stroud would just watch film. And I was just like, please. It's like I, I think about everything now. Now that winning time is on, you guys watching the Lakers uh, HBO series. Yeah, I love it. So again, I said, I, I kind of know the the guy, Jeff Perlman, who wrote the book that that is based on. So I just am envisioning everything now that happens, how it would fit into a scene. And now I want the scene of like Luke Whippler, Dewan Jones, Paris Johnson, and CJ Stroud all gathered in their dorm room freshman year watching film, you know, like, Hey, our time's going to come one day guys. And like that idea of, Oh yeah, well now it's here. It's three fifths of the offensive line and the starting quarterback. They're all trying to win a national championship. And when they got here, they were breaking it down together when they were true freshmen. Does it feel like with every story we hear about CJ and what he was doing with another player, if you start piecing it all together, um, you have the answer to why he won the starting quarterback job. No, I think that's, they all knew this stuff. 
Yeah. Right. That Ohio State like, is like this guy. You know, he's he's making connections. He's making relationships. He's putting in work. He's inspiring confidence. He's learning before he even is going to be tested. And all that groundwork was, yes, I think that's a very good observation. Because like the momentum that we talk about is one thing, but it almost feels like you start you win the job kind of on day one with how you set the tone, regardless of what, like with some of, especially from an intangible standpoint, like how many people have we heard from with CJ Stroud? Yeah, we were throwing the moment he got here. You know, Jackson Smith, the jig, but we made that throw the first time he got here. Yeah, CJ and I were watching film. Yeah, we were hanging out, doing this, that. And the third. I'm not saying that Jack Miller wasn't doing that when they first showed up or Kyle McCord wasn't doing that because he made it a point to go live with uh, Mecca Buka, Marvin Harrison and Jaden Ballard. So they were probably doing it too, but it's just, it feels like with every story we hear about CJ from an intangible standpoint, um, he kind of left an impression on people that never really left anybody's mind when it was time to start actually competing on the field for this job. Yeah. I think that's well said. doesn't mean, you know, if Quinn Ewers comes out and starts chucking it like a maniac, doesn't mean the door is closed, but CJ's had a lot of ground that he had covered already. Um, And then clearly had the talent to make it all pay off in the end. Talked about how he's the youngest in his family and they all give him a hard time and it helps keep him humble. You know, but he made, then made a joke later about like, oh, I'm open to an NIL deal. I can't remember what he was saying specifically, but it's like he's just relaxed. I think he is humble. Listen, he's not an A plus yet with the film stuff. I mean, who would be? But I do think it's it's I think it's really exciting for Ryan Day. There's a part of Ryan Day. I think that his dream is to coach a Drew Brees or, you know, a Tom Brady or a Patrick Mahomes or a guy who's like just super established and has been doing it for years and years and years. And in college, he's never going to have that, which is why I still think Ryan day someday will be a head coach in the NFL. Cause he would just love to be, that's the guy that I'm working with. That's the guy who I'm game planning with. But CJ is, is so far down the line is the closest he's had here. And again, this is nothing against Justin, but just as CJ's third year in the program, Justin basically had like a year and a half as a Buckeye, right? Because, I mean, it, it just was boom, 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 boom. And so CJ just has more time put in. And um, I just – there's just a lot of things that this is – this is, to me, what Ryan Day has been waiting for. And the humble part of it, he's not an A-plus, but when he started – CJ started telling a story on Wednesday about, like, oh, I was watching something Peyton Manning had on YouTube – I'm sure it was the details show, whatever. And Peyton Manning's talking about, you got to take what's there. Sometimes on third and five, you got to throw the four yard pass and let your receiver get the extra yard himself rather than trying to make the big play and do all the work on your own. And it's just like, I'm sure Ryan Day, Ryan Day loves that, Nathan. That's, there's nothing, Ryan Day, the idea of like on third and five, throw a four yard pass and trust your receiver to get the extra yard rather than trying to make some crazy 11 yard throw that you're trying to squeeze in just like the idea of taking what's there and that CJ is so open to that and watching Peyton Manning talk about that. Ryan day is like, that's the best news I could hear. Ryan day had an interesting comment from the first spring practice that I sort of rediscovered. I was writing a piece that's on the website today about some of CJ's mindset. And it was about like the way how, how he's highly motivated and the way he kind of plays with a chip on his shoulder. And he said, I think that's what gives him an opportunity to be great. Is he great yet? No, he's not, but he's on his way there. And 
relative to so many things that you, that you would consider greatness in a college quarterback, Stroud is there. Like, I mean, just go look at the numbers, look at the look at the things he achieved last year. But I think that reminds us that I think Ryan Day is, and he, it's not the first time he's brought this up. Like, he measures him on a different scale. Like being a Heisman Trophy finalist, throwing for four thousand yards and forty some touchdowns, I think he's he's looking past that a little bit, saying like there. And Kevin Wilson said it earlier this spring, like about how maybe he's just scratched the surface and he's going to be way better than it even looks like right now. That I think he's he's he sees intangibles in him that he sees in the guys who get to the next level and then separate at the next level. I do think Ryan Day's standard for this is not smart college quarterback. His standard is NFL quarterback who's been running an offense for 10 years. That's a guy who really knows an offense. So if we're going to talk about how much CJ Stroud knows an offense, he doesn't know an offense as much as Aaron Rodgers. So let's not lose sight of that. And it's like, well, what? I mean, yeah, of course. But I don't think that's an of course for Ryan Day. He would like CJ Stroud <laughs> to get as close to Aaron Rodgers as he can this year. And that is just the deal. And you know what, Stephen? I think C.J. Stroud's like, yeah, I don't want to be the smartest quarterback in college football. I want to get as close to Aaron Rodgers as a third-year college football quarterback can get in 2022. You hear the same thing from the receivers. It's like, why do we practice getting two feet in on catches? Because I'm not trying to be a good college football wide receiver. I'm trying to be a great NFL wide receiver. And whatever the equivalent is that defensive line, you're probably going to hear the same thing from Larry Johnson. And that's where the development part of this comes in at these top tier programs. It's like, are you preparing me to win a Heisman? Or are you preparing me to get a gold jacket one day? And Ryan Day wants to prepare his quarterbacks to get a gold jacket one day. And CJ Stroud wants to have one. So this is what you get. So they're giving him a lot. He was talking about Luke Whippler. I had asked Luke Whippler about CJ Stroud. I asked CJ Stroud about Luke Whippler. CJ said that Luke Whippler is one of the smartest guys he's been around. Luke Whippler said the same thing about CJ Stroud. I thought it was funny. CJ said sometimes Luke's almost too smart for his own good, which, which if you have talked to Luke Whippler, I can almost understand what he's talking about because I think Luke Whippler is so conscientious about stuff. He was saying that, Luke Whipple will double check and triple check the call at the line of scrimmage. And he said, and it was interesting. Then, then CJ as the quarterback, after Luke decides what the blocking scheme is, CJ can stamp it. He said, I can stamp it or I can veto it. So I think they're doing a lot of stamping, that they're seeing things the same way. Luke was talking about that, but also it's still different. You know, your vision of what you're trying to see with the front as a center is different than a quarterback who's getting a look at everything else. But I do think those guys are in concert but it's funny to me because Luke Whippler's the guy, right? That's Greg's two drywall story. Whatever it was after the national, mm-hmm. after they lost to Clemson, they came back the next day and yeah. Luke Whippler was like, Hey, I'm watching film. I was like, what, what are you talking about? Luke Whippler is nuts, but also CJ Stroud is nuts. So they can be nuts together with the way they study the game. So I think he and his center are connected. I think he and his number one receiver are connected. I think he and his head coach slash play caller are connected. And Nathan, I, listen, we try to pull ourselves back sometimes like, you know, it's like, Oh, we'd be in a homer. It's like, listen, man, the guy was in the, was a Heisman finalist and came back and has a bunch of offensive guys with him. And like, I just think it's exciting. The potential here, Nathan, that's all we're talking about, that there's a lot in place 
and that it's not just athletic potential, it's mental potential, mental potential. That'd be a good horse name. Mental potential. It rhymes. Reed Carico said something today. I said, why do you think you're good at a Sam linebacker? He said, well, I think I'm long and I'm strong. And, and I almost said like, and are you going to get the friction on? And uh, I was like, I thought it was going to be a rhyming word that he's like, I'm not much of a rhymer, but I just don't know if you can say I'm long and I'm strong. And then I don't know. I mean, at least in my gender, I got to follow it up. So um, CJ has a lot in place with the people around him, but he's the center of it all. And there's no place he'd rather be Nathan. Yeah. Ladies. And- yeah. Ladies. If you want to ride in my Mercedes. Steve, Steven, Steven hit left. that button. No, Steven just left. <laughs> there has to be, there has back. to be a button for that. Yeah. Um, although I did think it as soon as you were saying it, I didn't know what you were. It was no mystery. What you were going to say after you said long and strong. I right, stop. It's not my fault. I'm sorry. I'm There's sorry, a, Reed Carico. Reed Carico is like, oh, his parents are like, hey, how was your interview session today? He's like, it was pretty good. And then this guy at the end <laughs> started dropping Sir Mix-a-Lot yeah, on um, me, and I really didn't want to be there anymore. So I'm going to talk to Malik Hartford. This is... This has become the old white man pot again. <laughs> this is there's a again. You know, the, oh, the comedian Gary Goldman has a uh, uh, had a joke one time about like your people our age, mine and Doug's age, like our our pop culture is defined by when you hear the word stop. Do you think hammer time or collaborate and listen? But it's one of the two. Like which oh, one yeah. pops in your head first? What was the question? I I hammer timed it. I hammer timed it right there when you did that. Okay, there so, you go. That there you go. That, that, that determines it. No, I All just. Right. Uh, but but to get to get to what you're saying about CJ, uh, yeah, I, I, what I think we've seen here is just uh, as you were kind of alluding to before, like this is what's supposed to happen, um, the natural progression. Like the first year, maybe you shouldn't have all those expectations, and the second year you should meet him, and then now the third year for Stroud is about whether he can go out and surpass them. Um, as strong as he was last year, I think that that there's a lot more room to that ceiling. All right, Stephen, we'll give you last word on CJ Stroud here. You're heading out to a recruiting announcement here on Wednesday afternoon. We'll finish up with uh, what Nathan heard from Kyle McCord because you spent a lot of time with him, Nathan. Stephen, what, what, anything else you want to get out there about CJ Stroud before we uh, leave this topic? Yeah, no, I think we pretty much hit the nail on the coffin here. It's, you know, you've got a really smart quarterback. You've got a really smart center. And you've got a really smart wide receiver with a play caller who can get pretty creative. And what does that mean in year two when all of those pieces are clicking and you might have one of the best offenses in the country? And it's going to be really interesting to watch that, not necessarily in the spring game, because there's going to be some cool stuff, but more when we get to actual football games in fall. Yep. All right. Last break. Nathan and I will come back, talk a little Kyle McCord, talk a little linebacker next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Lamer, he's back with Nathan Baird. Again, we said Stephen off to cover a recruiting event. Nathan, just as we're, you know, we're splitting stuff up, Kyle McCord, also super interesting on Wednesday. We want to make sure we had that aspect of it covered. So you spent a lot of time with Kyle McCord. And was the overwhelming theme of the discussion, like why is Kyle McCord still here? It's it's a dual thing, but that that's half. I mean, half of it is like, how are you better? Or, you know, how have you gotten better? What are you trying to do this spring? But there is... Definitely. If it's not, why are you here this spring? It's, I think the more mature way to ask it and the way that I think it was more approached was 
how did your thinking towards being here this spring change? When did it change? Because as they, you know, he has said all along, and he was saying it again today, you know, the plan was that he would be here this spring, regardless. It was just a matter of whether there was a competition with Quinn Ewers this spring or not. And he didn't use his name necessarily, but that's what it was. And then now when Quinn Ewers transfers, it brought a lot of clarity to this situation. And then the conversation, then for Com Accord, the equation is that the problem you're trying to figure out is, is it worth it to sit for another year? Probably, you know, assuming no alien abduction for CJ Stroud, you may go through this whole next year and only play backup snaps. So another whole year of your college career, the first two years of your college career will largely be that except for your one assignment to start against Akron. Is that worth it to then be the very presumptive front runner to start this season open in 2023 for Ohio state? And I think that's the math that he did was it? Yeah. Like where else are you going to necessarily get developed better? And sure. He could go to any number of places. I think right now and transfer and start places in the big 10. If you were to transfer right now, he would be the front runner to start the first game of the year. But what do you ultimately want out of your career? And do you ultimately end up getting more out of your career by exhibiting that patience this year? And then I mean, well, how many jobs in the country are better than being a Ohio State starting quarterback? He can't transfer to those jobs. And he can take that job starting next year. Everything cleared the way for him, both on both ends. One was the current competition. And listen, I think what we always thought, if Kyle McCord and Quinn Ewers were competing to be C.J. Stroud's backup this spring, we think they would have demanded an answer. Who's two and who's three? And three would have left. But Quinn Ewers left before we got to that point. But if Quinn Ewers, if it had been like, well, Quinn's up next, then Kyle McCord, I don't think, would have stuck around. So we were always assuming quarterback transfers. And two of the three guys behind C.J. Stroud left. All three didn't leave. But two of the three left. And the other thing is, CJ was so good in the last two-thirds of last season that it's pretty clear he's not going to be here in 2023. So if Kyle McCord, like if CJ Stroud was good, but it was more like, well, he still has a lot more to learn. This is like a a next step. And then 2023 is when CJ Stroud's really going to show the world what he's about. And it felt like that's where everybody was. Maybe there was some chance if he was great, he could leave after this year. Then Kyle McCord might be like, man, so then I'm going to wait again, right? Maybe I should go. But both paths opened up for him. And so, yes, this clearly seems like the best place for him in a world where the current starter is not going to be here next year, and he's clearly number two. And I guess, you know, we can't assume anything. Nathan, Devin Brown's a highly rated guy. But, you know, Kyle McCord's started a game already. So I think it makes sense for Comic Core to be here. Is he better then? Is he better? What's that conversation once you establish yes it makes sense for him to be a buckeye? Yeah, his his one of the buzzwords he threw out and it's one you hear from players at all sorts of positions, but just how much the game is slowing down for him. And he had two experiences last year that I think next year when if if and when he is the starter and if he's doing good things, he may still be talking about him as being kind of those formative experiences. One was getting that Akron start and the contrast between what you think are intense reps in practice and what that takes and then what a game rep is, even against Akron and the stakes that are there and, and all of that, like sort of folding in on itself. I think he learned a lot from that experience. He didn't even know for sure, he said, at the start of that week, exactly what was going on with CJ Stroud. But once he did, 
then by the end of the week, he started to feel just a little bit more comfortable. But now if that situation were to arise, he can go into it with a different perspective, right? He's going to have a more veteran perspective, a more mature perspective on it, and just know how better to prepare, probably not have as many distractions in his thoughts and that sort of thing. And then the other was the Rose Bowl practice, period. Um, it, we talk about it in terms sometimes of like, what young guy is going to like jump up through the bowl practice and then show us in the bowl game, something we hadn't seen before. And even though he didn't get that opportunity, those practices were still really valuable to him. The way he talked about it, there was even a brief period in there. CJ goes to New York for whatever it was, two or three days. And he got to kind of act as QB one a little bit. Um, I don't even know how much they were doing, like, you know, how many formal practices they had in that period. So it may have only been, one or two practices, but that just getting to wear that for a day, getting the, all those one reps for even a little period he thought was uh, beneficial for him and to kind of get to wear those clothes a little bit for a brief period. So it, it's the process is happening for him and it's happening on a timeline that he had to imagine somewhat when he signed here. I mean, when he committed and signed, like even if CJ Stroud hadn't committed yet, when he committed, Jack Miller had you. You already knew, always knew there was going to be one older quarterback in front of you. That this might have to be a a, pro, a a waiting game a little bit. And I think all these families went into their each individual scenario thinking that it's just nobody could dismiss the idea of having to transfer to play. I think it was all a matter of at what point do you have to pull that trigger? At what point do you have to say I have to go now because it's not going to happen? And it, it is lining up both from what Quan McCord can control and what's happening around him, it's lining up on a timeline that if he's willing to, you know, wait it out this year, there's a potentially big reward next year. Listen, we, we don't know. You want to, don't want to read into words too much, but as we talk about CJ Stroud, a man like this guy, I think just gets after it, chip on his shoulder, loves the film work, holds himself to a high standard, never settles. CJ Stroud was asked about Kyle McCord, today and he said um he's become much more mature this is stroud on mccord he knows the offense better he's moving around the pocket more um he's getting a lot more ready and just being himself so i think and it was one of those things where kyle is a year younger than cj but i also may be seeing what cj does right that happens for a ton of guys that you get here, you're highly skilled, and then you get a handle on how much you, how hard you have to work to be great. And Kyle McCord getting a view of how CJ Stroud gets after it was probably good for Kyle McCord. Cause I do think in the end, one of the things, so you're saying he said playing in the Akron game was good for him. It was very interesting in the Akron game that it felt like early on, Clearly, C.J. Stroud was not great in the first half against Minnesota in the opener, was quite was really pretty darn good in the second half against Minnesota. Oregon game, they lost, didn't lead the comeback at the end. You know, stuff happens. And then Tulsa was kind of weird, right? So the first three games of a guy who'd never played before wasn't fantastic. But then he took the break, shoulder and mental break, did not play against Akron, and then when Kyle McCord got in, it was like, oh, oh, wait, no, oh, yeah, no, CJ's better than this. 
because Kyle McCord looked less ready for it than CJ Stroud had looked against much worse competition. So it was, I think, good for McCord to realize that. It was good people like me. I mean, if we're going to line up people who had doubts about CJ Stroud, I have to be at the front of that line. After the first three games last year, I had real doubts about CJ Stroud. And I had real doubts about his ability to hold off Quinn Ewers in a world where I didn't, I questioned CJ's athleticism and the ability at this level to do all the things that you've got to do. And it just turns out, oh, no, he's a computer. It's like, he's fine. He's a computer. And I didn't know that. And so clearly I don't have any questions about CJ Stroud now, but that was interesting last year, Nathan. If Kyle feels like that helped him, it also helped everybody else realize this is hard. And as much as CJ Stroud wasn't perfect, the guy behind him wasn't more ready last year. He was quite a bit less ready. And I think we saw sort of the paths diverge for Kyle McCord and CJ Stroud after that. CJ took off. Kyle clearly slotted in. But if Kyle views that as like, a, okay, now I know what it takes. Here we are a year later. Good. It seems like he's back on the path he needs to be on. Yeah, I don't – was he ever really, like, off the path? I mean, he was a true freshman. It was four games in. It, it's, you know – But not off the path, but my point was when Kyle McCord played the Akron game last year, we talked on this podcast, will Kyle McCord play in a way that shows he needs sure. to keep playing? And that definitely did not happen. Correct. So he did not seize the moment in terms of – putting on a show, putting his best foot forward, showing he's as good as C.J. Stroud. It actually reinforced that if you had doubts about C.J. Stroud, where well, he's definitely the best quarterback at Ohio State right now, at the very least. And then when C.J. came back, he was ready to roll. That's, that's what I think. That that's, what we, that's where we were. Week four last year, that's at least that's where I was. Oh, yeah. No, I was there. And, and we, I think the question we were – what we were mostly saying was, Ohio State has to play Kyle McCord at some point. Like you, you have to see what he really is. That coming out of the Tulsa game, Stroud had been shaky enough that that was on the table. That I think get him in in the first half. That was before we knew that Stroud just wasn't going to play at all against Akron. So yeah, we were definitely asking for it, but we got the answer that we were asking for, which was no, they got it right the first time. It just he just needs to get that arm in shape, and it kind of took care of itself from there. I'm curious, you know, these guys seem pretty close and you never know. It's, it's a tough situation when you're competing and there's only one spot, but they do seem legitimately to have a pretty good relationship. And if Comacord can allow himself to get close to CJ Stroud and try to pick that brain and try to get some osmosis and some of it is innate and some of it, it it's, you, I don't know if you can teach it, but if, if he can just try to, live inside that head as much as possible for the next year. It makes him and it makes Ohio state better in 2023. And, you know, CJ's taking it on. He said that my role is to be a big brother to go those guys. And he was talking about how Justin helped him. And he said, even Cardale Jones helps him a little bit now. Um, and this is funny. This is funny. Cause sort of talking again about, man, this late quarterback thing seems to work. CJ said, he thinks Devin Brown is going to be great. Honestly, I think he has a lot of the intangibles that I see in myself. When he the way he moves in the pocket, the way he throws the ball, he has a lot of similarities that I have. 
And the other guy, I, I can talk myself in a circle. Fuck, I talk. The other guy that CJ referenced as a guy that he thinks he's similar to, and I think we've talked about this on here, is Joe Burrow. And it's sort of that pocket presence. It's connecting your eyes to your brain. It's being calm in the face of chaos. And if that turns out to be sort of the connection of the Ohio State court, it's like Joe Burrow to CJ Stroud to Devin Brown, like that, what we're talking about, that style of quarterback. Joe never really played here, but when we went and did the spring game, we're talkable, right? We talked about, man, maybe if you were looking for it, maybe you could have seen it. And Dwayne had a better arm. Dwayne was going to maybe pepper the ball around a little more. But now here we are, Nathan, spending a whole podcast, spending a whole offseason, talking about quarterback brains. And, and that might be that might be where we talk about similarities. Joe Burrow, C.J. Stroud, Devin Brown. Doesn't mean any, that's not anything against Kyle McCord. But again, Kyle, I think, is a little more athletic. Kyle's a little more let's I think Kyle's got a little more Justin in him and you know what if that's we talk about hey I always you know my recruit a starter five-star quarterback three-star quarterback five-star quarterback three-star quarterback all right the heck with that CJ Stroud Justin Field CJ Stroud Justin maybe that alternate the style of quarterback who you recruit little more gunslinger little more big play little more athletic little more run threat and then give me a computer Give me a processor. Give me a thinker. Uh, maybe not, but that's what they're in right now. As it turned out, because I think, but the one gunslinger left, right? Because Quinn was a little more gunslinger. So I think if right now you're sort of computer, gunslinger, computer, or is the way your quarterbacks are stacked right now. And that's not such a bad thing. I'm simplifying. CJ Stroud and Devin Brown are athletic. Kyle McCord is smart. I'm simplifying. Yeah. But I'm a simple man. Well, and also, I I don't know that I see it that way. I think Ryan Day just wants guys. I think the better way to look at it is the days of Ohio State recruiting the good college quarterback who doesn't project as an NFL quarterback are over. They have right. been over. And traits. As Ryan Day says, traits, 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 traits. Show me an exceptional trait. Now I want to ask him this. Okay, Ryan Day, we know. Ryan Day has confirmed that he is on the lookout for quarterback traits. I want an exceptional trait. If you have four quarterbacks in your room, would you want the exceptional trait that you identified in all four of them to be their brain? And I think the answer is yes, because look at what succeeds in the NFL. There might be guys who who are incredibly athletic. Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers. Deshaun Watson, like all those guys have incredible athletic tools, but if you can't read the game at that level, it doesn't matter. The uber athletic guys who can't actually do the passing, like all those guys I just mentioned are guys who also have great passing skills too, and who can think the game. No, at the but level I'm not, necessary. I'm not, but, but it's, it's not even passing. It's more, do you solve problems? I think there's a level. Now this is a whole other podcast. You have to be able to throw it. So the idea of like legs for running is not really it. You have to be able to throw it, but you have to be a problem solver. So right. how do you solve problems? Do you solve a problem with your brain or do you solve a problem with your body? Do you solve a problem because 
you I you've studied the film and you know every coverage and you identified the thing they're trying to trick you with and they can't trick you or do you escape the pocket and throw a sidearm pass in the window that nobody saw right how do you solve problems and would you want four guys who solve problems the same way or would you want to throw in even if i ask Ryan Day how would you prefer your quarterback solve problems brain do you want four brain problem solvers or would you want to throw in a body problem solver every third recruit? Well, I, th- I think he knows that the brain at the level we're talking about is rare. And so if you can't get that, then give me the great physical traits. You know what I'm saying? Then yeah. give, give me the, the exceptional athlete. I think, I think Justin Fields had a pretty good football brain. It just worked in a little bit different way. No, I but, agree. I, again, it's all shades. But if yeah, you right. said, does Justin lean more brain problem solver or body problem solver? Correct. I'd say body. Correct. So I think that's, you know what I mean? So I think it's both. Like if you can't get, I mean, who's the name? The name that I've heard Ryan Day bring up multiple times and it's, it's kind of a cliche, but he, he's reached back to Tom Brady a few times, you know, being a guy who's from the East Coast, but like a guy who like on the surface is not like the uber athletic guy. It's just this brain that worked in this perfect system. And I, I think that Ryan Day is trying to find his versions of that. I agree. I agree. But that, and that's but do you want four Tom Brady's? That's all I'm but saying. there are do four you- Tom Brady's. But there, don't you think there's a Tom Brady in every recruiting class? There's not a Tom Brady in every cycle. I want the smartest. Ryan, who do you want as your quarterback in every recruiting class? I want the smartest quarterback in every recruiting class. I want the guy. You, there is a minimum threshold of athleticism that is required to play quarterback at the highest level. But I want the smartest guy. And if I'm because you're Ryan Day, you're picking more than you're recruiting. Not a thousand percent. Listen, Lincoln Riley's going to fight you for some guys. It's going to be a hard to got a hard to pull a guy out of the south. I get it, but you're going to have a choice. You're going to have a choice. So if you're picking, which way are you going? The, I mean, the, the Tom Brady thing is funny because it's it's one of those things. I can always remember uh, James Laurinaitis grew up the son of professional wrestler Joe Laurinaitis, and Joe was a huge football fan, and his favorite player was Andy Katzenmoyer. And that helped lead James Laurinaitis to being an Ohio State Buckeye because his dad bought him an Andy Katzenmoyer jersey that he would wear around. And, and his dad had played like Division three football. And James Laurinaitis always said, I think my dad thinks if he had really like leaned into football, like at his best, he would have been Andy Katzenmoyer, right? I think Ryan Day thinks that if Ryan Day was five steps more athletic, Ryan Day would have been Tom Brady. Right. That that's right. That's who Ryan, because Ryan Day is a brain first quarterback who was good enough to play FCS football and start, but was never good enough to be any more than that. And so as much as we say Tom Brady's not athletic, he was more athletic than Ryan Day. So I think there and also Ryan Day when, you know, he grew a Patriots guy. So um, that's a side note on whenever Ryan Day brings up Tom Brady, because I, I bet there's like a. There's something there. And they're also like the exact same age. Pretty close. Yeah. Tom Brady's 44. Ryan Day is, I think, 43. How old's Ryan Day? Ryan Day is uh, 40. Oh, wait. I have to do his birthday myself. How old is he? 
79. And I'm I'll be 44 in August. He what year is it? He just turned 43. Right. In March. Ryan Day turned 43 in March. March. So Tom Brady is like a year and a half older than Ryan Day. So like when you know. When Tom Brady was like taking over as the Patriots starting quarterback, Ryan Day was like a young GA starting his career and being like, that's my guy because he grew up a Patriots fan. Anyway, that's a side note. Anything else on Kyle McCord? Ah. Do you like it when we stumble into an entirely separate podcast on the back third of the current podcast or is it bad podcasting? No, I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a great question to ask Ryan Day. I think I'd be interested to hear his response. And I think part of the answer might be how teachable do you think the CJ Stroud brain is once you get them. Is it something that you could take the guy who's really, really, really athletic and a pretty good brain and enhance his brain enough? Or do you already have to have that part and you're just trying to get the most out of it? And that's the thing that you've got to be at least pretty good. So it's more like pretty good brain, great athleticism, great brain, pretty good athleticism, right? That's, that's the, that's the question here. Cause CJ Stroud would be pretty good athleticism, great brain. Okay. Uh, anything else on Kyle McCord that we need to cover before we do a little bit on linebackers? Uh, I'll be writing about Kyle McCord for uh, Thursday. I don't, I, nothing that jumps out at me, but just, you know, it was a lot of talk about, um, he, he knows at the end of the day, he's one snap away from having to be the guy. And that has kind of, you know, it's not like he's going to go sit in bubble wrap for a year. He's got to be ready to be great because if, if something were to happen, now he's the reason potentially why Ohio State either is a championship team or not. So the pressure's still on. What can you just tell people? You wrote a big CJ Stroud story for Wednesday morning. We just want to make sure people uh, have their attention drawn to it because it includes reporting that you did from the Rose Bowl to some degree, right? What, what's this yeah. story about CJ? So it, it's one that I had been, uh, it's been sort of in the tank for a while because I didn't get it written during the Rose Bowl. And then it's just sort of been uh, holding for a while. But I went and, and met up with a, a guy named Willie Munford, who, uh, no relation to Thayer, who was one of the first youth coaches that CJ Stroud ever had. And CJ had mentioned him to you and I in an interview when we were just sort of standing on the indoor, I think before the Heisman ceremony, like as he was getting ready to leave for New York. And he brought him up as like, oh, that's basically like the guy that taught me to play quarterback. Like, like, that's the reason that I'm a good quarterback now is a lot of the stuff that he taught me back then. And a lot of it was not just technical things. A lot of it was a, a mindset of like how to um, make sure that you're doing everything you do need to do to prepare, making sure that you are you know, processing things the right way you know, taking the game seriously, but not too seriously for a 10 year old. Cause he, it seemed like CJ was a guy that was a little bit walking that tightrope for a while. And he talked about that, like even being a, a high school guy who would, you know, skip lunch and told us he was like considering not going to prom because he was like, wanted to go work out or whatever that night, which I would say, okay, you can go before prom. Right. But, um, just it, 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 it was sort of one of those like origin story pieces that we do once in a while that traces back to, where again, the brain is still just like such a big topic. And this is like some of the formative um, things that like fired in his brain that then kept developing over the years and like are the reason he is the way he is now. And there's, there's insight also in there from Kevin Wilson and Ryan day and Luke Whipler and some of the things that they've said recently that kind of help you see the path from this 
you know, patch of grass in Rancho Cucamonga, California, to what he's doing now with Ohio State. Okay, that's some pretty good quarterback talk on C.J. Stroud and Kyle McCord, a little bit on Devin Brown. Also, linebackers available on Wednesday. Steel Chambers was there. Tommy Eichenberg was there. Taraja Mitchell was there. Reed Carrico was there. Chip Trainum wasn't there. CJ Hicks wasn't there. Um, Cody Simon was not. Cody there. Simon was not there. Naoteote was there, right? Yes. He was there to Pallier. talk a little yep. bit. Pallier was there. Um, so we tried to get to as many linebackers as we could. I did think I had an interesting conversation with Reed Carrico, second year guy, redshirted last year. And we talked a little bit about like life in that crowded room. And he was saying like early in spring, before some position movements and some other things, there are like 15 or 16 guys in the linebacker room and it's really crowded. And there's like a baseline of things you have to be able to do. You have to, he was talking about, you don't want to be cookie cutter. And then someone said, well, you don't be a cookie cutter. He's like, well, you got to be cookie cutter in a certain way, which is like, you've got to meet the standards. He said, you've got to be smart and you've got to tackle, right? Like that's a, and you've got to play hard. But then within that, he said, you have to try to set yourself apart. And that he has really tried to do that by seizing this Sam linebacker job. And it looked like to us briefly at times, and now we've sort of confirmed that he's up first at Sam linebacker, which is a position that's not going to play all the time. But we asked, I'd asked Jim Knowles about that position. He said the same thing Jim Knowles said, which is in the big 12. You didn't need it that much, but you do need it in the big 10. I mentioned Iowa and Wisconsin. He Reed said, yes, Iowa and Wisconsin. So this guy is throwing himself into the idea of sort of seizing a starting role that will only be a starting role in some games, but he's trying to find a role. He's trying to find a niche. He's trying to differentiate himself in this crowded room. And I just said, I, I talked to him a little afterwards. Like, I just think it's really smart the way that you're thinking about this, because how do you break through otherwise? And so he also plays will, but man, we got steel chambers. We got chip Trainum, We got CJ Hicks at will. And so he's not pigeonholing himself, but he's seizing an opportunity where he's there and go kick butt at Sam for a year and then see what happens next year. So I just thought it was, it was a little bit of insight, Nathan. He was talking about in trying to separate yourself. He said, Tommy Eichenberg, guy knows the entire defense backwards and forwards. That's what separates Tommy Eichenberg. He said, Steel Chambers, that guy attacks the ball. He made some plays on screens last year that were like picture perfect, how you bust through a hole and get to a ball carrier. And that's the kind of thing that separates steel chambers. So he's looking for the thing that separates himself and it's, he's not the perfect body type for a Sam, but he said, I'm young and I'll do the dirty work. And so he's like squeezing his way into a spot in a crowded room. And I just think discussions like that, Nathan are interesting because it gets to the heart of what Ohio State and places like this, Georgia, Alabama, USC, Clemson, Notre Dame, what they're like, which is everybody here is good, but what else? Great. You're a good football player. Congratulations. You're one of 85. And we got some pretty good preferred walk-ons. You're one of 105. Everybody here is a good football player. What else? And Reed Carrico seems like he really thought about the what else. And the what else is like, man, Sam, let's go. And I think he, there are games this year, I think, where it feels like he's the leader for that spot. Where Reed Carrico is going to be important. 
maybe not 12 games, maybe not 15 games, two, four situational goal, like, right. And I'd like a guy who's thinking about that stuff, Nathan. It's like, he's thinking a step ahead. Yeah. I mean, that can't just be leftover guys at some point. Like it's the difference between championship football. Not, I think is whether you've got real guys who are willing to take those roles and you can't come here. It, it, it changed abruptly and it changed in the process of these guys committing or even sometimes having signed to Ohio state, but you don't start three linebackers in this base defense anymore. You start two. That's just how it is. And it's, it's going to be that way going forward. So what do you do to then begin your, to accelerate your process? Because I think you are going to, if you can get in and win this job and have that, you know, be at the top of that, even that sub package, I think that helps you for when your opportunity comes another year down the line, another two years down the line. Maybe he's a fourth year junior before his chance to start somewhere comes up, but he'll be better prepared for it when that happens. And Ohio State's better off if if they've got guys of his caliber playing those positions too. And again, this is like a, this is an accomplished dude, right? He was the number 87 overall player in the class of 2021. He actually, the, the guy for Ohio State who's right above him, uh, in their recruiting class from last year. Because again, that recruiting class last year, JT Tumaloa, Jack Sawyer, Emeka Buka, Donovan Jackson, Travion Henderson, Kyle McCord, Ja'Kalen Johnson, and Jordan Hancock. There's a lot of guys who are like finding real roles. Evan Pryor was 83 in the country. Reed Carrico was 87. A little similar, right? Like Evan Pryor is trying to be like, hey man, I don't, I got Travion Henderson ahead of me there, but I want to try to do something to help this team, right? So um, it's, an, and it's one of those things. We, we talk and say, boy, that linebacker room looks crowded. And it's sort of confirmation. I think that the guys in the linebacker room were like, man, this room is crowded. So that's just a reality. And then again, Cade Stover moves, Mitchell Melton moves, gets thinned out a little bit. They're not at 15 or 16 anymore. They're much closer to 10 or 11 right now. And they still probably need, and we'll, we'll cover this on the Thursday pod. That's still too many, frankly, but the For two plus orders, spots, yeah, it's, it's tough. Starting to be established, established a little bit, and so again, it's going to be two most of the time, and there will be games I think where if see if Reed Carrico is your starting Sam, there will be games where he plays five snaps, and then there will be a couple games where he plays like forty five snaps. So, listen for him. Yeah, we can't overstate like it's the five stars that are ultimately are the championship deciders, right? Like it's going to be CJ Stroud, Jackson Smith, the Jigba, and guys like that that probably ultimately decide whether Ohio State wins a national championship this year. But we've also seen, like we used to talk about Justin Hilliard in this very, he was in a similar role when he was the fourth linebacker that they would bring in to play against those run heavy teams. And it always seemed like this little just add on that they had. But then late in 2020, when Justin Hilliard had to play a lot of snaps because there were some injuries and some other things going on, he was better prepared for that moment. I think it, it's going to take some guys who stick around and don't bolt as much as I believe in player freedom. And I think they should, you know, we talked about this earlier with the defensive backs this week. I understand why those guys are leaving, but you're going to have to also get some guys who see a thing like being this team, Sam linebacker, and maybe only getting one or two games of big, reps still as being a critical role not only because of how much you really can help Ohio State win this year but because of this the push it gives you into what you ultimately came here to be which was a starting linebacker down the line for Ohio State 
asked what Jim Knowles is like as a linebackers coach, three things in, in the Reed Carrico description. A lot of information in a short period of time in the meeting room. I think it's a fire hose and you better be able to keep up. I don't think he's going to slow it down for anybody. But also chill in the meeting room, laid back, on the field, feisty, gets on you. So that is, I don't know that that's a surprise to anybody, but anytime you have a new coach, it's like, hey, what's the new guy like? It's like, it's like that. So I wonder how they'll be able to keep up. up, split up the. This fall, if he's going to be upstairs, if he'll be down on the field. Hmm. I Kevin don't Wilson, know. we assume, goes upstairs again. I, I don't actually, now I'm, I'm, where was Jim Knowles at Oklahoma State? I don't know. I don't know. I would imagine as the head coach of the defense, that will be his decision. So I have seen photos and maybe we've even used photos of him with a headset on the sideline, but that could have been from a spring game could have been from something else. You know what? I feel like he's been asked that. And he's talked about the idea of like, you got to be there down on the sideline with the guys getting a feel for the game down there. I think maybe he has said that. So it could be more like a, maybe a Tim Walton goes upstairs. Somebody like that you know, get in, he's being the secondary coach and wanting to see that whole back end. Anyway, we're really there's going a, into a whole nother discussion here. There's only two. I mean, there's only four defense. Larry Johnson's not going upstairs. Larry Johnson's no. down there with his guys teaching technique no. in the middle of games. So it's gotta be either Eliano or Walton, because as we know, they really only have four defensive coaches. Doesn't Perry Eliano seem like the kind of personality you want on a sideline. Probably. And Walton, like Walton with the NFL pedigree yeah. seems maybe like a guy in the box. So, okay. Uh, when's uh, Thursday pod, we're going to talk about some of the transfers, how the, we're going to talk about how the roster shakes out a little bit. And I think Nathan will get into a little bit. Assistant coaches got some raises. We know that's out there. Go read about it at cleveland.com slash OSU. We don't have time to get into that all right now. We'll talk about Ohio state's assistant pool, how much they're spending on assistance. We'll get into that a little bit on the Thursday pod, Friday pod, talking to cornerbacks, talking to safeties on Friday morning. So that one will be getting to you a little bit later on Friday afternoon. But for now, thanks for being part of it here on this Wednesday Buckeye talk. And Steven is out covering a recruit who's committing somewhere on Wednesday afternoon. All this stuff, all the stories at cleveland.com slash OSU. For Nathan, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye talk.